Hello and welcome to It's Symbolic, where we have many important things to say that you may or may not want to listen to with your ears. I'm Jacob Savage. I'm here. I'm Ben. Yes, we have many things to talk about, and in honor of our subject, this glorious evening recording session, all dead air will be left exactly as is. I, I mean, not to like, not to discredit uh, the extent to which you edit, <laughs> but I feel like uh, we're usually pretty unfiltered. Yeah, well, that, that was a joke. I, I cannot put you through that. But I, I will admit to looking forward to talking about this, our, this? our subject for tonight. Uh, are you dancing around it because you had something else funny to say before you wanted to introduce it? Um, no, I, I, I was wondering if you had anything funny to say, but apparently not. So this whole thing was just a bust. Like Maybe everything else something. in my life. Maybe Mira No, I'm very, I'm very excited to talk about this show. All right. Oh, we will be talking about the early Adult Swim mainstay, 12-ounce mouse. Mainstay. Maybe mainstay is pushing it. I, I, yeah, what about it made it deserve, deserve this distinction over everything else we've discussed? Because I said so. Well, already then. I see I see what kind of night this is going to be. Yeah. Well then. I, I, I don't know. Did either of you know about this show before I pitched it? Um, I feel like... I might have at least been somewhat familiar with the title, but I don't think I I definitely never saw it before and wasn't really familiar with anything about it. I had no idea. Not 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 head nor tail of this mouse. <laughs> this mouse was an enigma to you. And truly, judging by your response has remained an enigma. I think I might have just seen the title in like the listings of on the TV guide, legal uh, streaming sites, <laughs> cartoon streaming sites. Well, that 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 that's the true experience, and yeah, the ones that you frequent. Maybe. Let's you be honest. This, something this about that whole setup is appropriate you. for this show. I, I'm not saying it deserves to be pirated, but for some reason. Seeing it, it on that be, kind of it, setup. It should only be viewed at 240p. <laughs> I watched this show legally. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, so Does this... that make this an exception among our other topics? <laughs> this show is legally available through Adult Swim's website. They have uploaded the entire thing. How did the mouse come to be? 
That's the question on all of our minds. Yes. I didn't even know, before I even knew what it was, I just wanted to know, like, how did this happen? Yes. How? Why? Why? How and why? why? (laughs) Well. Tell me why, Jacob. Going back, this actually brings about a bit of Adult Swim history. As it ties back to their earlier show, before Adult Swim was Adult Swim, really the first Cartoon Network show, Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Ooh, I'm familiar. Yes. Where you start with a producer and writer for the show since its inception in 1994. I didn't realize it was that old, to be honest. Yeah. (laughs) Matt Meh. Yes. Jeez Louise. But from... It's older than I am. <laughs> it, is it? I mean, I would assume so. Statistically, it's most yeah. likely that it is. Yeah, yeah, it's... This show is older than everyone on its symbolic. <laughs> is it? Yeah, it is. I think... It debuted April of 1994. Okay, it, prem- it premiered a couple months before I was born. <laughs> its premiere was a Sorry, couple you months don't... before yours. Yeah, you don't get that point of pride, sorry. Yes. <laughs> you, anyway. None of us were in a pre-space ghost coast-to-coast world. I need to, I need to do the clarification. I was going to stop before the title, but I was like, well, if we're talking about the original space ghost, then that's we're definitely all post that. But uh, yeah. <laughs> anyways, go ahead. Yes. They, from that, that was the first major credit, I believe, of producer and writer Matt Mayalaro. Who spun off from... Hmm? Oh. Go ahead. Sorry, I was like... I thought his name was spelled differently. I couldn't find a pronunciation guide, so I'm sorry, Matt, if you're listening. (laughs) Yes, he went on from Space Ghost Coast to Coast with a collaborator, Dave Willis, to create another show that you might have heard of, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I am familiar Yep. Yes, where he also voiced several roles, most notably one of the Moonanites. These are just some, like, really, some of the biggest Adult Swim names. Well, yeah, he also apparently wrote the theme song to Squidbillies and did some of the music for C-Lab 2021. He also created a show that you don't hear too much about, but it has its own following, Perfect Hair Forever. I am not familiar. Yeah, me neither. Yes, it is an anime parody. Oh, Kappa Mikey. <laughs> no, I, oh, oh dear. Oh no. Oh my. So I will give you the one sentence Wikipedia synopsis. The series revolves around a young boy named Gerald Bald Z and his quest to find perfect hair. Well, alrighty then. Yes, that is also considered a spin-off of Space Ghost. Uh, huh? <laughs> uh, apparently, Space Ghost appears as a character in this show. What? <laughs> oh my god. Yes. Ever. You decided... Hey, so I'm looking, on, I'm looking on the Wikipedia page for this show. It has Season 1, Season 2, and Season Bald. Yes. Season what? Bald. <laughs> Really went downhill after season bald. I have not seen. 
And season two has one episode. What is this? I have not seen Perfect Hair Forever. We will probably talk about it at some point. I'm already confused. I already haven't even gotten to the topic. Yes. Going to the topic. Melaro's next project was originally pitched as a table read to the Adult Swim Network. And he stated that they accepted it after claiming that production costs would total $5 and will take some of the paper sitting in the copier. That's a pretty compelling argument. (laughs) Yep. He drew all of the characters himself with two exceptions, one of which was done by an actual animator and the other which was taken from an episode of Space Ghost Coast to Coast. (laughs) He would... Grab a sheet of copy paper, draw something, scan it, and then send it to an animator. Which is particularly clear with one of the characters who is drawn on the back of a script page for Perfect Hair Forever. Oh, is that why you could... Yes. Is that the page about, like, a massage or something? Because I saw that. <laughs> yes. That that was what stuck that. with you. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that is how we got 12-ounce mouse. Can I help you? Can I help you? What do you do? I do it all. Have a seat. I will, because that's something I can do. Do something. Do something. I am. I did. What it's did already you do? done. What did you do? I helped you. How do you describe 12-ounce mouse? Oh, by the way, I have a sort of embarrassing confession that yes. it wasn't until uh, halfway into the series that I realized the significance of the 12-ounce part of the title, even though he, like, within the first two minutes, I want to say, drinks a beer. I thought I was just like, oh, it's because he's just a little fella. He's just a little mouse. <laughs> guy he's just a little, <laughs> little mouse man he, he, he weighs no more than two apples <laughs> anyways i feel like that's a bit of a character development moment so. yeah <laughs> for, for who for you or for the mouse but that moment that you realized what the 12 ounces signified was when you lost your innocence <laughs> you can say that yes to Further save on costs, Melaro cast people around the office to do all yeah, of the voices. I can tell that. <laughs> yes, he himself voices the protagonist of the show, Mouse Fitzgerald. When is his full name established? I must have missed that. I don't know. No, wait, you know what? Maybe that's not that surprising considering I watched like half the episodes. Yes. <laughs> Well, they do occasionally address him as Fitz. I knew he was named yes. Fitz. I did not know his full name. Yes, good old Fitz. Good old tiny Fitz. Stop. Hey, yes, Mouse you know Fitz. You can try to make fun of me. You can try to make fun of me for it, but in the end, it just makes me sound more cute. So. Yeah, I, I, I love it. <laughs> no, I love it. It's endearing. Thank you. I thought so, too. Mouse Fitzgerald is a... God, as much as I hate to use the term a chaotic neutral character, 
who delights in beer and gunplay while performing odd jobs. Uh, he's he's like he's like a uh, comedic YouTube movie reviewer. Oh dear, that's one way to put it. I, I only have so many points of reference. I'm sorry. Skillet. We just spent sixty-four thousand dollars in that bar, so we're gonna have to get jobs to cover up the fact that we rob banks. But first. I need to get a drink. Yes, other voice actors in the show include Adam Reed, Kurt Solokich, Dave Willis, Nick Weidenfeld, and Matt Harrigan, who I'll get to later. You may have heard of some of their stuff. The only non-Adult Swim employee that provides a voice is Scott Llewellyn, of the band Nine Pound Hammer, which also did the theme song for the show. Melaro stated that his original intent was to make the series completely episodic. Nothing would lead to anything. <laughs> so much for that. <laughs> yes, he <laughs> he abandoned that as early as the second episode. <laughs> but we are going to have to talk about the pilot episode hired which premiered in june of 2005 god it is it's rough you know trying to describe the synopses of any of these episodes is going to make you sound like an absolute crazy person yes i mean it pulls off the social norms for the early part of the series or fitz would take a job from an associate shark who is a shark and cause chaos in the process, generally by disregarding everything and getting drunk instead. He is accompanied in this... That is, like, where I assumed the show was going to go, like, what it was going to be. Yes. And it took a turn that I never could have seen coming. Exactly. He's accompanied in this by his best friend, Skillet, who... Unlike all of the other characters who are very haphazardly drawn and poorly animated. Almost all of them. Yes, almost all of them. Skillet is a little animutation style cutout of a chinchilla who communicates by screeching. Yeah, it's like a, a stock image. Yeah, it comes from some sort of like reference book or something, maybe. Yeah. I don't believe that... They ever stated expressly where the picture for Skillet <laughs> you need to find came the from. Source. Yeah, just it's think, gotta be out there. Just that. I think I read that LRO... it was literally ripped, ripped from a book of like stock images. Or something. <laughs> that wouldn't be well, surprising. Then. You should rob that bank. <laughs> All right. I feel like nothing better exemplifies the pilot episode than a quote from the end of it. So let me get this straight. Okay. Please. I sent you out to pick up a client and take him to a meeting. Yes. Yes, sir. Instead of that, you took him to a porno set where he starred in his very first porno. Then you blew him up. Wrong. That didn't happen. Then you robbed a bank. Robbed a bank? threw up on a woman. What? 
and sang to the police. That didn't happen. I didn't do that. Huh. So what did you do? I did exactly what I wanted to do. Which was what? Again? All things. This pilot is just id personified. It also helps to set up the world of the show and introduces a number of the characters. Did this pilot meet that $5 budget? Probably. (laughs) Okay, good to know. It was animated entirely in Final Cut Pro. (laughs) Jesus. Yes. Which is a Mac editing software, for those of you that do not know. This episode also introduces some of the other characters, most notably Rectangular Businessman, who is exactly what he sounds like, and very rich. And he has no eyes. Yes, he has no eyes. I just sold 30 million. I bet none of you have 30 million. Uh Uh-huh. Like I live in a bank. Yeah. Peanut Cop, who is constantly stoned. Okay. Is it okay if I ask questions about him now? Go ahead. Because I'm curious about what the circumstances behind his line recordings were, if th- if these are known. Um, because you can audibly hear, like, other people in the studio laughing at the same time, and it is all very oh, sh- convincing sounding. I-, I did not <laughs> notice some of that, to be honest. <laughs> I never noticed that somehow. Yeah, I mean, the only laughter that I heard was him. <laughs> no way! He says... A great song. <laughs> but, uh, uh, um, but I'm here because, um, <laughs> did uh, somebody break in here? Well, it wasn't us. But I'm genuinely curious if, like, as far as the- I can tell, everything was scripted. Really? Yes. With the exception of the character of Golden Joe, voiced by Vishal Roney. Who, after hearing his take on the character, Melaro claimed that he was left unable to write any of his lines. So the voice actor Fair was enough. just given the basic synopsis and told to improvise. Yo, the mo. What is that? Like short for mouse? Then yeah. So tell me, man, mo, what's up? What you want with Joe? Cause the Joe got a blown a few seconds, man. I got a bounce. bounce. I got a few shorties at the house, man. What's up? What's up? Price. On your golden head. Cast is also rounded out by Liquor and Rhoda, a liquor store owner and a bartender, respectively. You have to put up with a lot of Fitz's antics. Uh, despite... But, but they love him. They love him for it. What a rapscallion. Uh, Fitz, the usual? Yep. That'll be... Let's see... $300? Tell you what. Perfect. Uh, the series from the second episode begins to go into a sort of continuing plot line. We're introduced to last few characters, a couple of unnamed women, one of whom is very annoying, and... 
who I'm sure is Mir's favorite character, the Eye. <laughs> Actually, no. Oh. Uh, I, I do like the Eye, but I kind of more like to just imitate how he talks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It is It is good. You like. It's something that's definitely stuck with me. <laughs> to, yes, there are a lot of eye puns in this character's dialogue, and everyone reacts very convincingly to it, wherein <laughs> they hate his guts. I live on an island in Iowa. Or Wyoming. No, you can't do that. We also get the characters of Golden Joe, who is an enigma who is constantly shouting. He's having fun. Good for him. And in the third episode, we also get the character of Rooster, who is a corndog farmer with only one hand. Some sentences you just never expect that you're going to say. Who are you? Name's Rooster. R-O-O-S-T-R-E. Sometimes all in capitals, depending on if you're yelling at me or not. So, uh, you yelling? I ain't yelling. Well, not yet. See, you found Footlong there. Who's that? Footlong. He's my homing dog. Got a sense for radar and quasnit. So, your corn dog has radar. I knew it. But what would he want? With radar. What's anyone want with radar? Everything, boy. Mouse, whatever. You a mouse or, uh... Or what? Or hell, I don't know. Just thought you were a mouse or something. I mean, you look like a damn mouse. The mouse. Maybe. You know radar spelled backwards as radar. Did you know that? You're thinking about it, ain't you? Maybe. I would say Rooster is more my favorite character. Oh. <laughs> and also the new guy. Oh, yes. The new guy who primarily turns on lounge music and hula hoops. That's what the new guy does. I mean, really, when, when you have a shtick as strong as that, what else do you need? Yeah. Despite the... Like, do you have theme music? I certainly don't. Oh. No. I, mean, I guess I... we collectively have theme Yeah, music, I guess. But not, not independently. <laughs> you know, forgetting you from Manos, the hands of fate. The show, as is, began airing in October of 2005. And right off the bat, despite the wanton destruction of the pilot episode, we are left with a sense of continuity. As early as the second episode, where Fitz begins to have flashes of some sort, to another life where he had a wife and child who were somehow taken away from him. Wow, this is a great necktie. Thanks. You have to wear it. I really like it. You have to wear it now. I'll put it on in the morning. The morning was too late. Put it on now. Was. You have to put it on now. Okay, here. How's this? Is that good? Tie it around your neck. It has to make contact with your flesh. 
It's late. I'll tie it tomorrow. Tomorrow is too late. Now is time. Why? What's that? That sounds like a... baby. It's our baby. We don't have a baby. We had a baby. When we had her. The time is coming that... to her... us... put on the tie. Mm. There's not much he does about it right away. He's... just continues with what he's doing, but things quickly get out of hand. Shark, along with Rectangular Businessman, who despite blowing up in the first episode, is too rich to die. <laughs> you just gotta walk these things off sometimes. Yeah. They end up doing some sort of unspecified evil business, which everyone else gets caught up in. Different characters seem to know different things about Fitz's past, and just about Every conversation is incredibly cryptic in some way or another. And, like, there will be discussions between characters that seem to go nowhere, but once you actually know what's going on, make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, it's like, you'll never know what's a non-sequitur and what's, like, a cryptic piece of information. And it's usually both. Yep. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. Yeah, it's both a lot of the time. I think as, as they go, they sort of decide which non-sequiturs will actually amount <laughs> to anything. <laughs> yes. As he works to figure out these mysteries, he end up getting additional threats from a clock, which just is in the background of several shots. It always reads 222. Yes. And when it moves, it makes a cartoon stretching sound. <laughs> it certainly does. Yes. For, for some reason, like, in the very first scene, after a while, you start to notice the clock just moving around <laughs> on the wall. And that exemplifies some kind of mood somehow. I don't know how. It's like, yeah, I feel that. Me too, yeah. clock. Shark threats get more and more over the top. At one point, Fitz is given a severed hand. He still walks around and stuff. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. The hand's fine. And even among all of these, just... Like, this is all still in the first season. And the first season is seven episodes. And most of the fifth episode is just devoted to Fitz and Skillet having a gunfight in the background. Of a scene? Th this goes on like, for, like, a solid, I want to say, six, seven minutes. Like, against one another? Like, some friendly oh, gun no. sparring? Like, they're just fighting someone. And they don't even know who it is. Oh, yeah, I someone... See. Someone off-screen. <laughs> okay. Just shooting at them. And they well, shoot some back. Guys just, some guys just need to get shot, I guess. Yeah. Meanwhile, Peanut Cop is just trying to rob a diner. Is it is getting hot in here? As the season wants to a close, it's 
things get real very fast. As Rhoda, the bartender, is discovered to be working with Fitz and is killed for it very suddenly and kind of gruesomely, it's revealed that Fitz's wife had a run-in with the shadowy figure, which is literally just a stick figure. Like, not not even a stick figure, like, the rest of them are stick figures, like a crayon stick figure that vibrates. Then, at a party, Fitz is kidnapped, Skillet is incapacitated, Eye's leg is chopped off, and that's just the ending of the season. I, I don't even that's know if they some... knew that they would get a season two. That's just how some parties go. Yeah. Yeah, don't go to a party if you're not okay with losing a leg. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's just a risk that you'll have to take sometimes. He's got to balance those risks. Do you want any? Uh, Fitz, you should be here. You know me. No, I don't. You're my friend. My head. Get out while you can. Stay here forever with us. I think I need to... In season two, things get even weirder. As I said, everything is very cryptic. You often have no idea what's going on, even if you have an idea of what's going on. Yeah. And it's also at this point that after the end credits, they would show codes that would hint at certain outcomes. Doing a Gravity Falls, years before Gravity Falls was a thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. As characters start to act against each other... And start cryptically speaking about how things will come to an end. Rooster's kidnapped. I mean, everyone at pretty much every time is just off doing their own thing. Like, you'll get a set of characters that will be together for a group of episodes, and then they'll all just split off and never interact for the rest of the series while they group up with other characters. At one point, Fitz and Skillet end up going off in a rocket ship, where they discover to their shock that there is a city outside of their city. Wow. Holy crap, we're high. Look, what is that down there? That's exactly what I'm thinking. There's nothing down there but where we live. Except for over there. Looks like a real city. However, most of this episode is dedicated to Shark trying to start his car while Rectangular Businessman buys a harmonica. (laughs) According to the writers, Adult Swim was asking them to put in more comedy, so... (laughs) (laughs) That's always something you want to hear. We we get a shark trying to start a car, and a Rectangular Businessman talking to himself as he looks at... Golden diamond encrusted harmonicas in a harmonica store. I equate harmonicas to the blues and the blues to the poor. But I still want one. The car does not start and he does not buy a harmonica. We also at one point get a particularly notorious episode. Oraful, which comes in, like, right after some of the biggest cliffhangers of the series, 
Licker is talking with the shadowy figure and appears to be in cahoots. Fitz discovers a closet that contains every piece of clothing that he has ever owned. And a character is turned into a Terminator. And this is immediately followed by an episode where it literally spends seven minutes on an alternate version of the title theme. Before going on to Peanut Cop buying a new hat. And deciding to become a fireman. Yeah, uh, so Jacob gave me a list of the uh, essential episodes to watch to understand the overarching plot. I appreciate you sparing me of that, because you very well could have made me watch that. <laughs> yes, I... I would have. <laughs> <laughs> you would have made me watch that? Yeah. I... Well, I'll need to keep that in mind next time you're in charge of an episode. <laughs> yes, I, I was already recommending half of the series as is, so... Car full of bitches and a brand new bong. Burgle crazy into the night. What's right is wrong, what's wrong is right. Doing all things and considering no one. I got a porn shoot, I gotta get going. You don't understand, you don't give a damn. A 12 ounce mouse, 12 ounce mouse. But. After a while, one of the characters awakens a horrible figure known as Amalok, who is very well-designed and animated, in contrast to the rest of the series, who proceeds to do the breakdance of destruction. Oh, I'm sorry, the breakdance of death, wherein everyone is going to die. Rooster gets reunited with his hand. And manages to set up a corndog-themed android to fight Amalok. It it kind of took me longer than it should have to realize that the hand belonged to Rooster. Yes. <laughs> that it was his cut-off hand. I think you were just thinking... Like, I wasn't even in the mindset to try to logic things out whatsoever <laughs> with this show. So, yes. that already puts you a few steps ahead of me. Meanwhile, Shark and Rectangular Businessman send out every hoverback and tie bot in the city, which ends up just killing everyone that isn't a main character in the city. Guess who woke up from the dead? Son of a bitch. You can thank your little pronto for that. Who else is a traitor? Get me everyone. What do you mean by everyone? You want the tie box or the hoverbacks? Everyone! After a while, they realize that the time is frozen at 2.22. And another aspect of the show is revealed in that the characters have apparently been pumping out anti-language gas, er, which I suppose is meant to explain some of the non-secutors, or maybe just make the pre-existing ones even weirder. Yes, it's okay, the lead characters managed to get anti-anti-language gas, which is made from propane. That's just some good, like, that's, that's a good life hack, just to, to keep in mind, you know? Yes. <laughs> meep, meep, mop. Those are my x-rays. What's wrong with him? It's the language. 
It's giving out, and for reasons sooner on him for today. Linguist him out, hold the other. Ogolob Rinagligi. Nick's Yura picked. Prodot means Artola. The lead characters managed to just shoot Shark a million times and kill him. And as the corn droid and some of the other factors have a midair battle while the city continues to get destroyed, Rectangular Businessman speaks with the shadowy figure, which leads to even more questions. Apparently one particularly big part of the series is the harvest of Aspirind. Which is never really explained. That's impossible. The clock shop was sealed off when this began. Hmm. Shark was just a pawn. Control was only in his mind. The aspirin farms are near harvest, and Mouse has done everything exactly as predicted. Yes, Amalak brings the darkness, a note of evil, which is inherent in all of us. It's a choice he made. We all make choices. I choose victory. The rectangular businessman flies away in his own ship after capturing the shadowy figure in a jar and is shot down by the corn droid. However, the miscellaneous flying objects manage to take down the droid and Skillet is killed. Oh, dude, I am so sorry. Yeah, man. Me too, man. Dude, that's not even funny at all. Yep. Which is actually played with, like, a lot of pathos. <laughs> it is kind of sad. <laughs> like, as ap- you don't expect the series to go from this weird, wild, very early 2000s adult animation comedy to this weird, surreal mystery. And then you don't expect it to just kill off a character and play it completely straight. But he was, he was the most important character. Yes, everyone loved Skillet. Yeah. Yeah. Who could have forgot all those things he did? All that screeching. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All that the shooting. Best... He was the best drummer I ever knew. Yes. <laughs> he... Damn. He is very so good true. at the drums. Upon Skillet's death, Fitch just gives up and plays pinball. <laughs> but like runic pinball. Yeah. While a pink cloud just comes down from the sky and introduces herself as Archeus, Archeus, Archeus. They they never say how it is. They never confirm how it's pronounced. I don't think it's the Pokemon. Did I say Arceus? You did. Jesus Christ. This did come out around the same time as Diamond and Pearl. <laughs> it did. Playing pinball. What's it look like? How did you know my name? Then who are you? Well, Archaeus. 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 Whatever. I guess uh, it's super nice to meet you. 
this being makes it clear that no one understands that Fitz's wife and child are alive and that Fitz still needs to do more. After which we cut to the real world. Now, apparently Fitz has been in a simulation the entire time. Of course. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, this isn't like a cheap cop-out. They foreshadow this way in advance. While just about everyone else is human, the Fitz and Skillet are both just like a giant mouse and a chinchilla, respectively. They're the same. Yeah, they're the same. You can't change perfection. Exactly. Uh, I see what you mean. Nurse, give the mouse 1,200 cc's of sterebolium. Sir, that will kill him. If I wanted your opinion, I'd ask your boss. Sir. And that's me. Sir, that will kill him. So, bust a move, nurse. Today. What are you doing? She's there. Archaeus. No, it's impossible. We blow up the whole ship with my cool bombs. Remember. You can destroy the flesh, but you cannot destroy the faith. Yeah, father muck and religion isn't going to take me down. Yes, the equivalent of shark and rectangular businessman debate what to do and they are going to kill mouse when the real world equivalents of one of the women and peanut cop just fucking kill them nurse (laughs) Mm. great we were just talking about you here's your 1200 cc's i sure hope those are sterile Is he still alive? I'm not a doctor. (laughs) Is he still alive? I can't tell. (laughs) All this beeping and blipping. (sighs) Let's hope he is. Contact the new age. I'll tell her to come for us. All this beeping and blipping is driving me nuts. Tell her it's time. Dude. The time in the simulation moves to 2.23. Fitz wakes up. Skillet just shows up. Skillet is fine, guys. Skillet is fine. And Fitz... Can't put him down that easy. Yeah. With drumming that mad? Mm Mm-hmm. Fitz, Skillet, Peanut Cop, and Golden Joe just walk down the street and leave the city. As they wonder what to do next. I thought this was finished, man. Man, I thought this was done. done. Yeah, I thought so too. I guess we're not. So. Let's go for a walk. (laughs) I'm so sad. I could stop laughing, I'd cry. 
that's the end of 12 ounce mouse this is not the original planned ending however they were it wasn't nope they were informed that the series was going to be canceled several episodes in advance so they could steer it in a direction that would wrap things up even if it didn't necessarily wrap everything up there are a lot of questions still unanswered i don't think those questions have answers Mm. Well, Alara's next move was to consider putting the series on the web, which was hinted at at the end of the television run. He wrote scripts for five episodes. Only one was created. Enter the Sandmouse, which is... What, what, what happened? It, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, it's a bad episode. Oh, no. The supporting characters immediately disappear. Mouse and Skillet hide out in the desert, and they meet a transphobic joke. No questions get answered, and they may or may not die at the end. So so the internet ruined the show. Yes. I can't really find anything that Milaro did after 12 Ounce Mouse. I know he continued to work on Aqua Teen Hunger Force, including the movie. That's not the end of... Yes, and while... Meanwhile, the... Sorry. (laughs) I think you're you're jumping ahead. Yeah, you're jumping ahead a bit. (laughs) I suppose so. Yes. (laughs) I just don't want people to get confused or whatever. Meanwhile, the, the animation studio Radical Axis and a number of the voice actors went on to create another show that you've probably heard of called Archer. I have. Which I need to catch up on. I I have not seen Archer in some time. I quite enjoy it, personally. But... I've seen maybe an episode or two <laughs> several years ago. <laughs> well, you had a Tumblr for a while, so you've seen some of it by proxy. Yeah. But, yes, as Mir interrupted me earlier. <laughs> Sorry! <laughs> that was... Not the end of 12 Ounce Mouse, because apropos of nothing, in October of 2018, we got a new special. that was last year. Yes. We got a new special, Invictus. Invictus focuses on Fitz, who has somehow escaped into the real world. And in the real world... Oh, interesting. Yes. He is voiced by Seth Green, which sucks. Oh. He is credited... He's also got a mustache now. Yes. He is credited as Baron Victor Von Hamburger IV, which is good. Fitz. There you are, old boy. And right on time. Hey, Melvin. Nice to see you. Not as nice as me seeing you. You're looking good. 
Did you get more handsome? Aw, oh, thanks, Fred. You're so pretty. <laughs> Still having those crazy dreams? Cardboard cities, flying bow ties, screeching chinchillas? No, 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 not so much. I've been, um, been doing a lot of gardening. You know, the flowers are getting big. Good, good. Fresh air, lollygagging, sunshine, and pizzas. Yes, he is in the real world now, but strange things happen to him he has some somehow shark is acting as his call-in therapist and he is experiencing odd things going on in his life most notably pizzas endlessly being delivered to him this isn't that's not so bad this is an actual plot point the city that the series takes place in is stated to literally be made out of cardboard and pizza boxes. Okay. Yes. An exterminator, Busby, is called upon to take care of some of these things, but is revealed to be working with Shark and convinces Fitz to go back into the simulation to save his friends, who are all being threatened as shark and rectangular businessman are somehow back (laughs) yes and they actually brought back everyone like everyone that has a speaking role in the special is the same as the original voice actor wait i'm different you the sharky shark light his ass up man mouse it's us (laughs) uh he's getting out who's getting out excuse me let me clarify when subatomized systemic brain impulses are deconstituted and hit repeating negative electron cells that result in endoplasmic reticuloids that can be electronically transferred and artificially manifested into hence-said subject. Okay. <laughs> you guys got that? Wait a second. If he gets out, then we're all getting out. Well, you'll probably need these. As the special ends, both... Rectangular businessman and shark are killed while a portal to another dimension, Again? the real world, yep. is opened. It's unclear, and everyone goes in it. And what happened will be resolved in a third season coming in 2020. I am so excited. Wait, what? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? And, I'll be yeah. I-, I was familiar with this series before I suggested doing it. I did not know that it had come back. Yeah. Was there like some sort of has there been like major fan presence online or something or this just seems like um, it just happened so suddenly. I mean, no idea. Can I confess something? Uh when <laughs> oh I <my> watched <laughs> when I watched this on the Adult Swim website like I was watching it just on autoplay and when I went from when I finished season 1 it jumped straight to Invictus. Oh, oh no! And I ended up watching that before season oh. two, and it was very confusing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I've seen the Twin Peaks movie and have never seen the series. I'm assuming that that's pretty much the same sort of experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I did not expect it to go in the direction that it went into. They have stated. Like, works of surrealism, and more specifically, David Lynch as a influence. And this really does play out in the end like a good David Lynch movie. Yeah. 
there are some bits which have aged poorly. This being an animated yeah. show for adults <laughs> in the mid 2000s. Hopefully, we have moved on from that. I sure hope so. Yeah. And they didn't I use did... the R word in the Invict- Invictus special, so I have hope. Yeah. Overall, this is a very polarizing series, as you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Like, just a quick search on YouTube will just bring up several YouTube funny men going on about how it's the worst show of all time because of its animation quality. And to a lesser extent, Boy. it's rambling narrative style. I'm sure those have got to be some great watches. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I honestly found this to be quite a work of art. <laughs> yeah. Like, like even... <laughs> I'm, and I'm saying that as a fine arts student <laughs> person. Um, like that gives even, you authority over us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, even in regards to its animation quality, it's very, like... I mean, it's deliberately that yeah, way, yeah, and definitely. it's like it's all very an interesting choice. And I don't know, I enjoyed a lot about it. Yes, this whole series is created to be disorienting, and to a lesser extent, kind of nightmarish. And the visual style is one of the greatest points in its favor. This, I believe, is actually like Adult Swim at its best. Can you imagine just? tuning in on Adult Swim and that just without having watched the show before catching one of the later season two episodes and just having no idea what the fuck you're watching. <laughs> yeah, I mean, God, that... This seems like the sort of thing that would be better suited to like a Netflix type service <laughs> where you can watch them all just in <laughs> oh, God. They... I mean, just... It was ahead of its time, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess. Just the, the oh, yeah, why didn't this like, get picked up by Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, don't, I mean, I'm just saying, like, it. I mean, you could say the visual quality, but they picked up Big Mouth. <laughs> uh, got him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it just, just, it's, it seems risky to pick up a show that's so dependent on, uh, people getting guess, it or know, not getting it. Chronologically and having it, yeah, an overarching story and just, like, the fact that the, aesthetic style and a lot of the humor is like completely at odds with that design yeah critical reception of the show was mixed but overall leaned towards the positive aol tv said that it was the most simplistically drawn of all the adult swim shows yet the most complex in terms of story which yeah unravels slowly revealing a little bit more of what's underneath the surface while also piling on more and more questions yeah, as someone we do not, I believe that we do not see enough story-driven animated works, especially not short form. Especially not in ten-minute bursts, but... Well, especially in Western animation. Oh, yeah, especially yeah. in Western animation. Like I said, I legitimately believe that this is Adult Swim at its best when it's trying its damnedest to confuse high people at two in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And just, like, I'd, proving that, I guess, really good stuff comes out of being very limited. Yeah, like... What a profound what a profound sentiment to end on. Yeah, like, <laughs> I feel like the closest things that we've had since from Adult Swim are, like, those weird infomercials that they air. And... Oh, I, I got what you're yeah, saying. And yeah, and Eric Andre. 
<laughs> That's a very different brand. I, it's very chaotic, is what I'm saying, and very confusing, disorienting to watch, as opposed to a lot yeah. of Adult Swim, which is just, what if Looney Tunes had a real gun? <laughs> but what if? What if, though? What if? I guess there would be blood. Let's give no, them three more seasons that. of that. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that all of us here are pretty big fans of surrealism in general, so... Yeah. Uh, I, I, I do wholly recommend checking this out. Like, you'll love it or you hate, you'll hate it. Most people say to at least stick <laughs> around to till the third or fourth episode so that things can really get going. But you'll walk away from it with something. Yeah, you'll walk away from it yeah. with something. And for me, it was appreciation. <laughs> I don't know what something is. Well, for me, it was appreciation. For me, it's knowledge that 12 ounces is a term that's primarily associated with beer. <laughs> <laughs> We've all learned things today, including you. Thank you for tuning in to It's Symbolic. If you have a suggestion for anything you want us to cover or simply want to talk with us, we are on Twitter at It's Symbolic PC, or we can be reached at email at It's Symbolic Podcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram at It's Symbolic Podcast if you want to see some really cheap copy paper drawings. I know I do. Mm hmm. And no matter how you're listening to us, be it through iTunes, be it through Spotify, be it through Podbean, be it through some weird simulation where you're being forced to listen to this against your will, please remember to leave a rating and review. It helps a lot. That's how people find out about us. And You know, when are we going to start including an overarching plot in our show? Um, I feel like that's overdue. <laughs> Ben. When we get to season two. <laughs> okay, that's There fine. we go. Yeah. We have to establish the characters and setting first. That's true. There's really, there's a whole lot of my background that I've yet to reveal yet. Yes. A lot of it's really tragic. Uh, some of it might surprise you. Yeah. But be sure to hang around. Yes, you'll only get to out. know if you tune in next time. Anyway, I'm Jacob. I'm Mir. I'm Ben. And join us next time when we find out what exactly it is that this button does. I think that must have been the button that stopped his audio. I feel like he probably could have told that because that's like, you know, it's that's what it always does, right? Did, did both of you stop your audio? Am I the only one who's holding up your joke now? <laughs> no! <laughs> ben, I... It was so lonely. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We won't leave you again like that. Dear Dad, I have spent over 10 years and $94,000 putting together my mosquito costume, and now I am pleased to announce that I have become a mosquito. The costume is quite realistic, and I have even attached bladders to the nose thing so I can soak up liquids when I puncture them with my nose thing. I could be buzzing all around you on a hot summer day, and you wouldn't even recognize me as your sun child. You would just think, get away, mosquito. 
From my point of view, you would be 3,000 dads because of the way I've designed the eyeballs. I might be saying, Dad, it's me, Dad, it's me, but you wouldn't be able to understand my language because of its buzzing. I'm also into plastics now, and I am making plastic tubes that you can suck liquids through, kind of like my mosquito nose, but used for different reasons. Hope you're doing well at camp. See you soon. Mus- mus- mosquito. Mosquitor? Mosquito. Mosquito. I don't know who that is.